0: welcome to Immigrantly. I'm your host Sadia Khan. Before we begin today's episode, a quick reminder, be sure to follow us on Instagram at ImmigrantlyPod and Twitter at Immigrantly underscore pod and consider donating. It helps us grow and that's how we sustain our podcast. You can find more information on our website. So I have lived in New York for over a decade and what I love about New York is that it's a city that's alive with art, passion and interesting individuals. You can always count on being entertained whether it's from subway performers on your morning commute or from attending a comedy or a theatrical show. But unfortunately, in my decade-long living in New York, I've hardly been to a comedy show. Sad, isn't it? But I feel like in 2020, more than ever, we need comedy in our lives, if it makes any sense. My today's episode is all about comedy. So let's get started. Could you introduce yourself?
1: So my name is Shafi Hussain. I am from Bangladesh. I was born in Dhaka. I moved to the United States In 2012, for college, I studied chemical engineering at University of Massachusetts, Amherst, and then I moved to New York to work. My first job was at Albany, New York. And when I was working for my previous company, I found out that I enjoy stand-up. And that's when I started pursuing stand-up at the same time as I was working. And last year, I decided to move down to the city to do more stand-up. And now I am quarantining in New York City as I do stand-up. I'm also working from home. I'm running my own podcast, which is called Americanized. In this podcast, I try to explore how America Influences the globe, whether it be by the economy, by culture, by war, whatever it is. I'm exploring this with different guests, and I write humor pieces. Not obviously, all of them get published uh, for obvious reasons. I'm producing shows in the parks right now at Central Park and some rooftop stuff. Yeah, so that's that's me. I work as a chemical engineer and I do stand up and I podcast and I write humor pieces and I do packets and (laughs) i see where it goes i guess
0: so shafi you just mentioned that you have a day job you're a chemical engineer what i am intrigued to know is since you have a day job how does your approach vary because of that to comedy and if you relied entirely on comedy for your income how would your approach be different or would it be different
1: I approach comedy in the sense like engineering helped me break down comedic structure. So mm. I guess I would analyze every comedian I would watch. And I think over time, all comedians are going to do this. But I went right away trying to make it like a math problem, trying to understand what kind of steps I need to take, how to write really well and engineering background kind of helped me pretty much solve a problem and that's how i look at comedy you have a premise or you you have a point of view you're trying to prove on stage and what are the steps you need to take to convince the audience that they understand how you feel about a topic when it comes to income, i I think like right now obviously I have to give my best at my work and I enjoy engineering it gives me a different outlet as well it's 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 very analytical, very left brain and that's why I enjoy comedy because it's a different outlet it's very right brain mm. So I don't think I, I have a issue with pursuing both at the same time because I enjoy both of them and comedy is definitely a bit more therapeutic because you get to be more yourself you get to be more honest, more vulnerable in front of your audience and that's why I kind of always gravitated towards comedies because at a normal corporate job you don't go and ask you don't go and tell how you really feel you just say how the weather is and how your vacation was but when it comes to comedy you really talk talk nitty-gritty stuff really Mm -hmm. really really personal stuff that you're able to open up about. And that's the real world. People have problems and we love to discuss that on stage. And that's why I love comedy so much.
0: Hmm. So for many stand-up comedians, especially, the content comes from personal experiences and anecdotes, right? In fact, not just comedians, everybody does that. More often, we mine our experiences to basically make sense of the world around us how do you find your personal anecdotes to share? Is it reliance on your job, your day job, or is there any other source of inspiration in your life?
1: It's usually not my day job. I don't really talk about my day job through through my stand-up. It's mostly a lot of observation, a lot of dichotomies between cultures, right? Like if you are growing up in a third world country or like a developing country as we call it now Mm. I think it gives you a different perspective towards life uh, towards family towards values and that's what I try to explore through my comedy is how I feel about certain topics so it's a lot more observational there is obviously a lot of personal stories that I mine uh, from my childhood I talk a bit amount of uh, comedy is uh, is revolving around my dad my mom obviously and my sister's so it's 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 a it's a bit of personal stuff and also a lot of observational stuff. I think it's more mostly revolving around uh, how I perceive the two different cultures and dichotomies between them.
0: That's an interesting point because when you talk about two different cultures what I would be interested to know is given how different two cultures are and I grew up in Pakistan so I can completely relate to differences in Pakistani culture versus American culture how do you try to be mindful of cultural sensibilities because some of the jokes may be misconstrued by american audience versus say audience in bangladesh and vice versa so how do you navigate that space
1: my comedy like how always has been very family friendly that's what i always go for at least <laughs> so it's been it's been easy for me like when I first started probably I wasn't as astute or wise about my comedy cuz I was just starting out and I wasn't sure what I was doing cuz you just like get thrown in the fire and you learn mm-hmm. as you as you do more stand-up over the years and then you kind of understand what you really enjoy and i i enjoy silly humor i enjoy obviously i also take like strong point of views on silly stuff and also on stuff that that is very important to me but most of them are not punching down uh i'm not sure if you are familiar with the term but punching down in comedy is pretty much you know being aggressive or Mm. trying to trying to victimize something i try to avoid that because and i have no problem with people who do that it's just not my it's not who i am and i try to make sure that uh, i i can convey to the audience what kind of a human i am if that makes sense
0: as you said your comedy is family oriented or family comedy and i was listening to one of your interviews where you mentioned how your comedy is clean comedy that's how you describe it American comedy, on the other hand, and I don't want to generalize all comedians uh, in the U.S., but it's more self-deprecating, especially now it's dark humor. And somehow people can relate to that self-deprecating experience. I was talking to one of my friends and we were talking about Pete Davidson's comedy. And she said "Um, he's very self-deprecating. His comedy is dark but it's relatable because it makes me feel good about myself, right? Here's a piece from his stand-up comedy, take a listen. Let me tell you how not smart I
1: am, okay? This is how not smart of a person I am. I thought Chicago was a state until a week ago. Uh, not done. The only reason why I found out Chicago is not a state is because I was in Chicago doing a show, came out and said, wonderful to be in the state of Chicago. <laughs> Nobody said anything. Nobody said anything till the end of the show, so I did a whole show with state of Chicago confidence.
0: Sometimes I think it makes us feel good about ourselves when we uh, look at somebody else's uh, misery. It's a very warped idea, but some people do that. How does your clean comedy fit into that narrative? And how has your experience been with the audience? Like, what kind of feedback have you gotten?
1: I guess all sorts. I have, you know, it's a it's a range of spectrum of audiences from small towns upstate to like Idaho. Uh, I have performed like, you know, pretty much a lot of pl- a lot of different places, a lot of different audiences. I try to do the best job I can and obviously based on that i will have different inputs i have people reach out to me saying that they really enjoy i have never really had like someone like find me personally to say that oh that's something that's offensive but like when it comes to relatable like if if i'm trying to relate to people i do have like you know like if you talk about just personal relationships i think mm. it might not be it might not be your parents but you can have that small uh, small you can find that small place in your life where you're like, oh yeah, I can see that happen to me. I can see that. Like if it comes to relationship, interracial relationship, if it comes to your you know, um, worries about the religion, worries about the economy, or worries about your parents, like I think it's very universal, even though it seems very personal. Um, everyone is their own protagonist and I think I think uh, at, this, at, the, at the end of the day, uh, it's also overlapping movies. So, so it's, it's not that difficult to, I guess, to convey how I feel and for the audience to understand, unless I'm talking about like a specific movie that hmm. was only seen in Bangladesh. No one will get it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Have you ever blanked on stage?
1: Have I ever blanked? Maybe when I was early, starting early, early days, probably, because I had like a limited amount of material and it's huh? always harder when you're starting a comedy life or career or whatever you want to call it. But now it's just like over time, you just you have more confidence with anything, like even podcasting, right? Like it's just mm. you feel more natural talking to no one and and, yeah. uh, and and the end product seems to be fine. And when you're first starting, I had to script everything. I had to be like, oh, my God, I have to say this. I have to say that. But over time, you just are more relaxed. You're comfortable. You know how to edit and that's, that's also transferable to comedy. Over time, you, you are more comfortable with the audience. You can talk to them. Uh, like when I first started, the audience just felt scary. But over time, it's hmm. just like, oh, yeah, I can I can talk to you. I can relate to you on a human level, even if I'm running out of material.
0: So I've seen your stand-up comedy and I really like it. One of the reasons why I could relate to it, obviously, I grew up in Pakistan. But besides that, I think your focus is South Asian culture, but not to the point where it appears to be one-note performance, right? I see a lot of South Asian comedians who focus too much on the culture itself and stereotypes about their parents' accents and how their parents approach life and how they were always told to be engineers and doctors. And for me, somebody who grew up in Pakistan, yes, it, it has some novelty in the beginning, In fact, I shouldn't even have any novelty, but still, I enjoy it in the beginning. But then it just becomes too stale. So what I like about your comedy is that, as you said, you focus on observations. Uh, Your comedy is primarily observational comedy, and you'll pick situations and topics that anybody could relate to. But Shafi, given what's happening right now around us, What does it mean to be a comedian in the age of wokeness? Like, we all want to laugh, right? Especially, I mean, come on, during COVID, we all want that. But is there a place where you draw the line? Is there any contemporary phenomena that should never be the subject of comedic performance anymore
1: i am someone who is a very very ardent supporter of freedom of speech Hmm. so what what that means is that i have i give you the right to say whatever you feel but also you, you should realize that i have the right to not listen to you so i Mm -hmm. think people should bear that in mind and then whenever people are talking about this cancel culture that we are part of like if you look at all the comedians that we might have heard or seen that are supposedly canceled are not really canceled they're touring they're releasing albums they're doing fine it's it's more like a backlash to the cancel culture um so i think they do find their audience and they're doing fine but like at the same time i have no problem with cancel culture i think it's a good thing that people are speaking speaking up social media is this thing that like gives back power to the public and cancel culture has always been a thing right like uh, mm-hmm. god canceled adam and eve for eating a fruit so it's like it's yeah. been always a thing in our society um so i don't know why people are surprised and people we have too many good people for people to just like not work with good people so if you are doing something that's bad there's no reason i should feel bad for you because there's too many good people with too much talent that are not found, and there's so many people with so much talent that no one ever finds out. Mm. And I think I think they should be given a voice.
0: Do you ever want to write for a show?
1: I I have over the quarantine there was a, there was a few packets that I drafted for different projects and different hmm. submissions online. So I I did write a pilot. I did prepare a packet for a late night. So I've been I've been actively doing stuff on that front. I enjoy writing. Writing is very therapeutic and it's It kind of kind of focuses on the paper and then you kind of forget everything that's going on, which is kind of nice in this era because there's so much content just coming at you every second. And it's a good way to shut everything down and just like just be with your with your work. So I I have no problem. If I get the opportunity for sure, I'll I'll take that into consideration.
0: Is there a specific type of show that you want to do that's like ideal show for you?
1: something that has to do i think with stand up um, mm. something that's kind of uh, i like historical fiction something that will teach you something i think at the end of the day i like i like education a lot i think that's very important and that's why i kind of started my uh, podcast is because i try to i try to learn myself what, what, how the how america can influence the globe and it's such a big phenomena it's like uh, it's more than a country it's an idea so it's like i mm-hmm. i for myself i like to learn and maybe when once i bring up like comedian guests and they they share their experience with the idea and we can explore it together so at the end of the day i would want it to be something that's comedic and also something that's educational that would be the ideal combination
0: so how are you liking podcasting
1: podcasting is great i actually did another podcast a few years ago when i started comedy yeah. and that podcast was all about I had like two other friends doing it with me. It was called Kaizen comedy. The entire idea, Kaizen is like a Japanese word that means continuous improvement. So the entire idea was we would watch, uh, for example, one comic per week. For example, you know Dave Chappelle or whoever, right? Mm. And we would try to watch all their stuff and then come come meet. And then discuss their comedy and try to break it down into into like into a math problem. That's that's that was my mm. approach from the get go. I just wanted to break down comedy to write better, and that helped me a lot when I was in upstate trying to trying to be a better writer. But now that I have moved down and they're still back there, we I stopped doing that podcast with them, and now I just enjoy doing this this podcast uh, with guest comedians. So I have done. Four episodes now. The one of them is going to be released tomorrow. is all about the dollar, uh, how mm. the U.S. dollar kind of impacts the global economy, the history of that, and the previous episodes were also very interesting. I talked about the atomic age, uh, how nukes kind of shape the world. So I'm just like looking at macro stuff for now to see how that impacts the globe and trying to trying to make it funny. That's it's that's my only goal.
0: It's interesting when I listen to you talk. I can at least feel how much of an engineer is there because I my brother is an engineer my dad is an engineer my husband is an engineer no surprise there yeah I don't know if I should be saying this on a podcast but I'm a very disorganized person if you if you ask me I don't make notes I don't write things I'm pretty disorganized so when I talk to them there's always this disconnect because they are so focused on structure i can see that in your conversation as well like you try to find structure in everything does it help
1: i think so i read this book called the checklist manifesto which which was really like a eye-opener i recommend that book it's a really good book so the idea is human beings are very prone to making mistakes but if you mm-hmm. make a checklist of things like it's like very computer esque right? You're trying to be a computer, you're just like following yeah. algorithms. But if you look at it in a micro level, it is like a recipe, right? You are if you're cooking, you're follow, following a steps, series of steps which is a checklist. If you're writing, you also follow a series of steps. So I try to try to do that for everything. I try to make sure that like things that are very important to me and things that I want has my name on it I try to make it the best I can and that's the goal for everyone I'm sure but I try to find ways to make it like a structured problem solving so I can look at it and realize that what is missing from that recipe it's like a it's like cooking food for me
0: do you think it limits creativity when we are putting everything in boxes and structures and planning everything
1: I would counter argue that Hmm. it gives you more creative energy because if you know those steps you are gonna follow those steps and also ruminate rumination is huge because whenever i'm thinking of one idea one premise i i usually like will think of something in the uh, and when i wake up and then i'll ruminate about that throughout the day and by the end of the night i will have like written something that i can take to the stage Um, So obviously, I start with like very structured problem solving, but then I let it breathe and let it simmer so that it kind of evolves on its own. So I don't think it does limit. I think I have, like when I remember back in the day when I didn't understand structure of comedy, I would just like write free form and I would write pages without getting anything funny. And that was really frustrating. And it was, I felt like uh, wasting a lot of my time because I was also busy and doing so many different things. So I kind of needed structure and that understanding the steps I want to take to get to the point definitely helps me, helps me with my creative energy.
0: And based on what you've said, is there a formula or a structure for a solid comedy set? Does it vary?
1: It depends on what you're going for, right? Mm. So if you look at Bill Barr's comedy, it's very contrarian. So he'll take positions that are opposite of what normally people would think, and he would try to defend that with examples. It's very lawyerish. If you're a mm. lawyer, you have a hypothesis and you try to prove the hypothesis with examples that you provide. So that's mm. one one way you can do comedy. Obviously, the examples in a co- comedic sense would all, all be funny. So like punchlines, you have to like think of what are funny, and then but the structure is similar. The structure you mm. have the structure, and now you just have to. Think think what funny ideas can you put together to prove your point so that's one way and then you have a lot of analogies or something that people use a lot to uh uh, to explain what they're trying to say counterpoints is another you have rule of three you have uh, seeing it from different angles of different people you have point of view so there's like different tools and different devices Hmm. that once you keep doing comedy you kind of see the structure and you realize that There's comedic genius for sure, but there's also the structure that comes out. um, And that's beautiful in its own. It's like math.
0: And the interesting thing about comedy is that there isn't a school that you can go to to learn comedy, right? I mean, when I came to the U.S., what I realized was there's a degree for everything, and you can basically go and specialize. But as far as I know, there is no quote-unquote degree to, you know, learn comedy if somebody led a very boring life. Do you need to be interesting to be a stand-up comedian?
1: I don't think so. I think I'm pretty boring. And everyone who's listening, uh, if you want to do comedy, it's it's pretty it's pretty easy in the sense that it's like anything else if you you want to work out you want to get you know if you want to get like a good shape you just do it again and again if i look back in my first year of comedy i was really bad like it's at the time i thought i was really good but like if i look back it's really bad so you have that thought that oh i improved and that's what you want to do with anything in life you want to keep doing it And if you want to really, really be good at anything, you just do a lot of it. That's pretty much pretty simple.
0: How do you measure that? How do you measure improvement or success when it comes to comedy?
1: Comedy, the good thing about comedy, it's really easy to measure that. Mm. Uh, one thing is you go and do your set and just just see how much how many laughs you're getting. It's really mm. easy to count, also see how how, how big the laughs are, how, if they're chuckling versus if they're really, really enjoying. At the same time, you shouldn't only think about that because some comedians don't go for that dark humor because dark humor can really the release of a dark humor is that you have more laughter right? But at the same time, not everyone will relate to dark humor. So then you have the other school of comedians like Seinfeld, who are observational, but will not give you that huge release. But it's like, it's like good throughout the show, like Jim Gaffigan. um, uh, Then you have Brian Reagan. These are comedians that will not give you uh, like Anthony Jeselnik, or, you know, you mentioned Pete Davidson, but they had they do a different different job. And it's all the good and all the all the People, whoever has that taste, they will enjoy that.
0: You know, that's so interesting. You mentioned Jerry Seinfeld. So I enjoy his comedy. I used to enjoy his comedy more. Um, His comedy has changed as well. And then Larry David. I mean, I watch Curb Your Enthusiasm and I'm laughing throughout. And it's very much observational, satirical. It's not dark. I don't find it dark, right? Um, So it's, as you said, it depends on the kind of comedy you like, but maybe I can relate to it more because that's the kind of comedy I grew up with in Pakistan if I think about comedy, and I'm not sure about Bangladesh, but it's more ironic. There is more comedic wit. Um, There is less, I would say, vulgarity or sexualized content or even dark humor. Do you think... It depends on where you're coming from in terms of being an audience member, as to how you will enjoy a certain stand-up comedy. For instance, I grew up in Pakistan, so the way I enjoy it is very different from somebody who grew up here.
1: Definitely, I think so. Um, like, if I, you know, small towns, big towns, popular mm-hmm. towns, they all have different audiences. And then, you know, like stand-up comics, they, they over time, they will tailor their set either they'll start differently or that they'll try to... It sounds very condescending, but if they have references that are very niche or things mm. that you know people might... If it's like a very uh, religious city and they don't have a lot of religious material, they will have to tailor it to please the audience because at the same time you're doing a job, at the same time these people are coming out to see you, so you have to right. deliver, right? It's They're getting a babysitter or they're buying food, they're spending a lot of money and it's your job, to make sure that they do have a good time so there is a lot of tailored comedy for sure at the same time you have to find that balance of trying to be true to yourself and not be a lot not do like hacky stereotype stuff like when i started maybe i had done a lot of like thing you mentioned like you you try to like do things that you think are funny but over time when, once you see so much comedy you realize what's done and what's fresh and you try mm-hmm. to gravitate towards something that's fresh and try to differentiate yourself from all the thousands of comics that we have.
0: You also mentioned in one of your interviews, Shafi, that New York has helped you a lot because obviously New York has the best comedians in the world and it helps you de-hack your work. So it helps you basically filter through and there's always something new that you can create because there are so many comedians that you are, I don't want to use the term competing with, but... Yeah, in a way, how has New York, in your words, helped you hone your comedic skills?
1: The repetition is definitely before, obviously, COVID. Now, slowly coming back again with uh, park stuff. And obviously, I've done a lot of Zoom uh, comedy. But mm-hmm. definitely, since I moved um, down to the city, I like if I was in upstate, I would get up seven times. Here, it's easy to get up 20 times. So it's just more reps. It's just going to the gym more often, and at the same time, you just see so much, so much comedy, so many diverse thought um, that you realize that oh, th- things I thought uh, was funny is done, <laughs> or no one even touches on because it's like it's it's very old. Um, so that kind of helps you structure your comedy in a different way. And it's like the Olympics, in New York City. Uh, any comedian you talk to, they always will refer New. To New York City as the Olympics of comedy you might be really good in your town you might be the best but then you move towards working against the best or towards the best hmm. so it just gives you a different uh different spectrum and different stick to measure yourself against
0: you know I was watching your video about the guy who invented right it was like, <laughs> and you did that right. with birthday and it's so funny because I recently celebrated my birthday and I was like Yeah, it makes sense. Why am I expecting somebody else to give me gifts, somebody else to take me out to dinner? Obviously, during COVID, that's not possible. But still, it does make sense. Shouldn't we all be like buying our own gifts and celebrating, like paying uh, to celebrate our own birthdays rather than expecting others to do that? That was an interesting piece. How did you think about that? And I want to share it with our listeners to just give them an idea of what I'm talking about. Take a listen. What are you guys doing Wednesday night?
1: Yeah, I know it's a work night, but I don't really tell this to people. But I'm pretty sure, like, several years ago, I was born that night. Yeah, I was thinking we could, like, get together and go to that new restaurant, La Farouche. Yeah, and you guys can buy me a meal. And you heard about Romeo and Juliet that just came out, Shakespeare's greatest play. I know the tickets are crazy expensive, but, like, what if all of you pull all your money and buy me a ticket? Yeah, I'm not trying to make this a big deal, but I like chocolate cake. Yeah, I tried vanilla, just not my thing. And if we have a good time, I was thinking of doing this again next year. Or the event, I'm calling it a birthday. I think it's going to take off. COVID has has made me do like a lot of different stuff. And that was one of them for sure. I was like, you know, like, because we only had Zoom stuff, not a lot of live stand-up. So I, like I mentioned, I was writing my pilot. I was writing packets for late night. I was uh, writing a lot of humor pieces and also working towards starting this new podcast that I talked about. And Thanks. I was, I always like thought of this guy, like the, how does the first of anything start? Hmm. And that was kind of the idea of, okay, so who was the first guy that invented bread then? I just kind of riffed and improved and someone said it was funny. So I thought I would make a video of that and put it up. And I got good reception from people who watched it at least. So that was kind of fun side thing that I did for a few, for a few weeks.
0: As a comedian, how easy or difficult is it to appreciate somebody else's comedy? And how do you appreciate somebody else's comedy?
1: That's a very good question because like, it's sad, but not at the same time, it's not sad because you don't laugh mm. a lot. Because mm. um, when I'm watching comedy, I, I'm completely analyzing comedy. I don't watch it yeah. from an audience perspective. And then I try to make sure that whenever I have friends or whoever I work with, I try to inform them that that's something amazing that I really enjoyed because I think it, it stays with you. Whenever yeah. a comedian comes up to me and tells me something they liked, it really stays longer than the audience because they understand comedy they realize the structure and they also kind of have an eye for good comedy and and also you, you just want to be respected by your peers that's why you want to stay away from a hacky or stereotype material because people don't tend to respect that as much and the, for and, and that makes sense because you want to you want to create something that hasn't been done that's the beauty of art you, there's no point uh beating the same ho- horse over and over again um so that's that's what i would say
0: and in the end if you were to describe America and now that you have a podcast called Americanized how would you do that
1: It's a amalgamation of a lot of different things I love the people then there's politics I love I love activism but then there is politics you know so mm. I think I think the politics has seeped into so many things for good and for bad and I I just believe in the people and I think there is there's a lot of power in people and when when they're educated the mass is educated and that's that's when you always have change and it it has been seen throughout the years and that's why I'm just so so much so much more interested in learning more about the country's uh, specific different things and how it's still to this day impacting foreign policy just by being at home, and that's fascinating to me.
0: Shafi, is there a website people can go to find your podcast and your stand-up comedy?
1: Yeah, so they can find me at Shafi dot c a r r d dot and if they're f- trying to find me through Instagram, it's shafi stands up and twitter is the same shafi stands up and the podcast is on every platform like you know whenever someone is a podcaster and then the the podcaster they're always (laughs) like you will find this podcaster wherever you find your podcast yeah it's just so arrogant but it's so true at the same time (laughs) that's Um, true So, yeah, so it's on Apple, Americanized, Spotify, all the the websites that you can find it.
0: Thank you so much, Shafi. This was wonderful.
1: Thank you, Sadia. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. I really enjoyed it.
0: Hope you guys had fun listening to Shafi's interview. In the end, I will leave you with a snippet from his stand-up comedy. Enjoy.
1: Like every time I date someone though, right, they, I speak a few different languages, so they want me to teach them how to say I love you in all the different languages, and I do. But when it comes to Arabic, I tell them, it's La <laughs> ilaha And they're like, that's, I love you? I'm like, yeah. But it means there's no God but Allah. <laughs> and I look up to the sky and I'm like, I converted another Christian girlfriend. <laughs> but, <laughs> My parents are like, Shafi, you can marry a white girl, just make sure she converts. I'm like, I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> like, we FaceTime, I'm like, tell my parents what I taught you. And she's like, lie, lie, lie. Like, and my parents are like, she's going mad. She's keep